Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling of the Star, Tri- Star Tribune, check two, uh, from TCO Performance Center in Egan, where the Minnesota Vikings are entering day two of Cardinals joint practices. Uh, just off the top, Ben, I, I feel like watching them yesterday on offense and defense, it was a lot easier against the Cardinals than it was against the Titans yep. a week earlier. Yep. It, it seemed like Kirk was getting whatever he wanted. Yeah, he certainly was getting a lot of it downfield and was able to, I think, maneuver in the pocket a little more effectively <laughs> than he could last week. There was less of a a opposing presence in the backfield in the way that there was last week when the Titans were in there a lot, and Jeffrey Simmons made his presence felt in multiple ways during those two days of joint practices. So we'll see a little more today. Of I think today is almost the replacement for the scrimmage-ish thing they did in the stadium last year when Kevin O'Connell had them practice that one day in the stadium where it basically was let's work through game situations, let's work through clock management, let's play it like a couple of quarters of a game. I think today is is more of that type of a practice than probably even what we saw yesterday. So I think that's the the point of today, which also means we won't see any starters on Saturday. Kirk Cousins said it. Everybody knows it. It'll be another um, riveting affair at U.S. Bank Stadium on Saturday afternoon. At least it's an easier deadline for us. We will talk about uh, quarterbacks on the roster, quarterbacks not currently on the roster. But in terms of you bring up Saturday's preseason game, I wouldn't be too shocked if we see Jaron Hall start. Yep, I think there's, I think Jaron Hall is going to play a lot. I, whether he starts or whether he is taking over after a very short stint from Nick Mullins, I think you're going to see a lot of Jaron Hall on Saturday. I will be curious to see if... Uh, Jordan Tayamu gets any time at all? Uh, do they feel like he has enough command of the offense yet to go in and play in a game, or is he just kind of here as a camp arm? Um, you know that we'll have to see how that shakes out. But yes, I think you're going to see a lot more of Jaron Hall. We have not seen. I think he's thrown 11, uh, 20. No, excuse me, 21 passes in the preseason to this point. I believe he's 10 of 21 at this point in the preseason. So hasn't played a lot, and when he has, he's been he was under pressure a lot in that first game in Seattle and I think had had the one drive last week against Tennessee but they will get their longest look at him I would think on Saturday to get a better sense of whether they want him on the roster because it's interesting Kevin O'Connell got asked about this yesterday uh, yesterday being Wednesday because today is Thursday I have to say this for myself as much as anybody else because training camp it all just runs together um, O'Connell made it sound certainly for my ears like they are very intrigued about this emergency emergency third quarterback rule now which allows you to have one basically be up on game day I think it's basically a free spot if they're on your active roster you can't pull them up from the practice squad like you could in the past and make them the emergency quarterback they have to be on your 53-man roster so Jaron Hall would give them the ability to do that. And the fact they took him in the fifth round, I think they saw enough of what they wanted to see from him in the pre-draft process that I think there's a good chance he stays for that sort of a thing. That'd be um, interesting because yeah. it's for a quarterback situation where if, if you can say anything about Kirk Cousins, if the polarizing NFL starter Kirk Cousins, it's that he's durable. Yep, yep. He does not get hurt very much. Um, and when he does, he plays through it as we – 
saw last year and learned more about on the Netflix documentary Quarterback, not on the injury reports. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he he doesn't miss time. He's only been on an injury report once in the last eight years or whatever it's been with the cracked ribs in 2021. So uh, he doesn't, he just doesn't miss time very often. And you probably as a result are not going to need the third quarterback very much, but you know, if something happens and he goes down and Nick Mullins goes down, you want to have another guy that can run your system in that case. So, I mean, Kevin O'Connell was expansive enough about that possibility on Wednesday that, Seemed like, okay. I mean, they, they have not kept three quarterbacks in the last number of years, so that would be a change in and of itself. But he certainly seemed intrigued by the fact that they have that option and they have a rookie quarterback. It's not somebody that just pulled off somebody else's practice squad. It's not David Blau. It's a guy you've developed all spring. So it kind of made me think he may end up on the 53. I think the last time they did keep a number three on the initial 53 was Kyle Sloter. And Kyle Sloter. I think that would have been 2016, I believe. Yeah. Uh, when obviously they were going through the QB turmoil of Teddy's injury. Yes. Um, but yeah, they don't do that very often. Now this is just the second year of the new regime. So now with new rules, maybe that changes how they do it. So um, that would have been. So it would have been the day they made the Bradford trade was cut down day, right? Yeah. That year. Yep. 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 So they would have, it would have been Bradford, Sean Hill, and they probably kept Slaughter. So they have somebody else that knew the offense. Zim was not a big Slaughter fan, but uh, it gave them another option that day uh, that they made that trade, which was also during the state fair. <laughs> that was. Um, thank you for that. Um, that's a very deep cut. But that's the, no one will get it. That's okay. We um, know. <laughs> that was, that was for an audience of one. We know. Um, I, I, the QB three discussions, one that's not going to light up the podcasting numbers and getting people to listen a bunch, <laughs> but it is interesting to me and obviously you, because that would be a departure from how they do things. And I just don't think Jaron Hall's looked that good No, in I agree. practices or in the limited action that he's gotten in games so far. Um, I just don't, it's been a lot of Kellen Mond type stuff and I'm not an expert, so I don't know the mechanics or how different those two quarterbacks are, but just in terms of Kevin O'Connell talking about how, yeah, we needed to get him to, and, and Jaron, to his credit, admitted this, I needed to study the play names more. Yeah. I needed to do some of the real basics of running the operation better. Uh, we'll get a chance to see Saturday how much he's grown in that sense over the last month. But it, it screamed of kind of stuff that, boy, I'm seeing Stetson Bennett in preseason games. Yeah. I'm seeing Jake Hayner with the Saints. I'm seeing a lot of guys who are running their operations a lot smoother than Jaron Hall has with the Vikings. And But like you said, they loved him in the pre-draft process. Yep. O'Connell handpicked him as one of the guys, one of the, the small batch of mid-round guys that he was comfortable with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe they just look past the, sh the early shortcomings. Here. Yeah. I mean, I would not have, I mean, just assessing what's happened in the preseason, I would not have thought he was going to be on the 53 just simply based on that. The fact that O'Connell said what he said yesterday kind of made me go, okay, this, there's a chance this will happen. And when they draft him, like you said, when they draft him in the fifth round, it's because they know, and they, they did it knowing he's a bit of a project because he has not played in pro-style offenses. It's spread stuff at BYU. It's, you know, catch the snap, get rid of the ball in two seconds. You're not making reads. It's the quick throws, all that kind of stuff that a lot of college teams run. So they knew it was going to take some time with him. But I would, 
it, it was what O'Connell said is a good reminder of the fact that when you invest that kind of time in a quarterback to scout him, develop him, project what he could be, you know, one training camp may not be enough to say, okay, let's scrap this. It, you know, it's possible they do. It depends on how all the roster stuff shakes out, but it's probably good to look at the bigger picture with a guy like that and what they have invested to this point to make them maybe say, we don't want to pull up the stakes on that yet. Yeah. And, and I, obviously the context that I should mention from my side of this is that obviously with Mond last year, it yeah. was his second year in the NFL. It's a free agent. Now he did, got cut this morning. <laughs> did he really? Yes. Wow. Um, wow. Uh, so yeah, second year in the NFL, um, and it, they obviously did not pick him. That wasn't the front office that picked right. him. Yep. And Mon looked awful in, in year two. So, yes, it, giving quarterbacks that leeway of development, that runway, and now that new rule that allows them to be that uh, safety blanket for you on game day of like, hey, we're not going to have to trot out Justin Jefferson or K.J. Osborne or Alexander Madison in the Wildcat in a game if we end up losing both of our guys. Uh, one guy that we do know none of the quarterbacks on the Vikings are going to be throwing to on Saturday that we intended to lead the podcast with until we got down QB3 lane um, is TJ Hawkinson. And TJ has continued to be limited during practices. We may come back to QB3 lane. We might. We might. Different. Different QB3. QB3. Um, San Francisco's QB3 teaser. Um, with TJ Hawkinson has not practiced um, much over the last three weeks. He was a full go through the early portion of ramp up period of training camp. He participated fully in a couple of padded sessions before the first night practice on August 3rd was the first time I saw him pull out of team drills, didn't do 11 on 11, didn't do any contact stuff. And since August 3rd, it has been exactly that uh, with TJ, where he'll work on a side field with the trainer. Sometimes he goes inside with the trainer doing whatever conditioning stuff he does in there during practices, but he's not putting his body in the line of fire in training camp when they get to these padded practices and start hitting. At first, it was an ear infection that TJ talked about, said it messed with my equilibrium. Yesterday, Kevin O'Connell comes out and says he's fully recovered from the ear infection, uh, but he reported lower back stiffness to the training staff and to O'Connell. And Again, Hawkinson wasn't doing anything different yesterday. It's not like it seemed to be a setback. He was still on the field doing the same stuff he did with the trainer on a side field that he had been doing before. But correct me if I'm wrong, I believe O'Connell said some of that side work led to this lower back stiffness. He did. He said it's possible that some of the side work maybe led to some of the lower back stiffness. Um, it is very possible that things going on, Things happening on the side of Vikings practice led to TJ Hawkinson's lower back stiffness. It's possible. It's very possible. As Quasey says, in theory, it, it could happen. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is also under. And, and uh, Kevin Seifert of ESPN asked uh, Kevin O'Connell directly, like, is this something? Um, are you certain that his absences are, are related to health and not contract? Mm -hmm. And I believe Kevin's response was, TJ has not told me that it has anything to do with that inferring, yes. inferring the contract. Yes. I, and they have been consistent. I mean, O'Connell has been consistent. Hawkinson, I think when he's talked has attributed all of this stuff to the ear infection. Hasn't talked about the low back stuff yet. That said, we talked to him Monday. Yes. Hawkinson. Yes. And Hawkinson didn't mention anything about the back. He said 
the ear thing is getting better. And then I had, I asked Hawkinson, is this anything else other than the ear? And, and he deferred to O'Connell. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. I We don't know 100% because every conversation we have had has been consistent that it is related to injuries. TJ Hawkinson is also looking for a contract extension. He is a free agent after this season, and um, on the same day that O'Connell says these things, um, there is a report, I believe, from Diana Rossini that Hawkinson wants a deal that will reset the market and that he and the Vikings remain far apart on a deal. So the timing of all of this um, seems not coincidental to me. Um, we don't know for sure because we have not been told concretely that, no, this is actually related to the contract stuff. But we've both been around long enough and watched enough of these things and seen enough of them play out in the manner that this one seems to be doing that it is not unreasonable to look at this whole thing with a raised eyebrow. I would say it that way. And O'Connell has gone on the record now multiple times. He was more strong about a week or 10 days ago when he said before the Titans joint practices, I, I'd like to see him out there. Yes. Uh, yesterday he said, of course, I'd like to have him in all these drills, but then talked down really how much it's impacting not having yep. him and saying that you know he'll be ready week one. He joined us on a Tuesday and was catching passes on a Sunday. Yeah. All those things. So Yeah, I tried to ask him yesterday, hey, this guy hasn't been through a camp yet. He hasn't been, really been through an offensive install in the way that you typically would do it. And, he, and he's pointed to the, the game last year in Washington where he comes in and he's going, you know, lightning speed along the offense and still was able to get it done. Yeah. And so they, they are downplaying and TJ himself on Monday said, um, he was asked, how much are you missing? Do you feel behind? And he said, no, not at all. This is, this is not impacting me much at all. I'll be fine. I'm in all the meetings doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, if he wants to reset the market, I believe that's over $15 million a year. It is. I think it's in the $17 million neighborhood. And the question I would have with all of that would be, excuse me, are you going to do that before you do Justin Jefferson? Because, I mean, I suppose you could, because Justin Jefferson is going to get more money than that anyway. So the idea that you're prioritizing one over the other may not be quite the case. Yeah, Darren Waller is averaging 17 a year, but... If you're going to make, if you were to do that for TJ Hawkinson and make him the highest paid at his position in the league, you can't not do that for Justin Jefferson. So if you're going to do that with both of those players, it makes it really hard to fit all of this stuff under the cap in the way that you're going to have to do it, given the fact that whether Kirk Cousins is here or not. In 2024, he's going to take up a large portion of the cap. He's $28.5 million next year if he's not here. If they re-sign him, that number probably is lower, but it's not $10 million. Um, Daniel Hunter, $14.9 million on next year's cap if he's not here. If he's here, you could probably work with it to make it lower. And yes, there's time. Harrison Smith is in 19-2. Um, Justin Jefferson is 19-7 on his fifth-year option, so you could work a deal out that maybe lowers that number. All of that stuff is plausible, but 
if you do a Hawkinson deal along the lines of what was reported yesterday, ostensibly from his agent, um, that resets the market and puts him above Darren Waller, given the fact that he's four or five years younger, it, I think, would be hard to tell Justin Jefferson, we're not going to make you <laughs> clearly the number one paid receiver in the league, which basically means we're paying you quarterback money. If Hawkins is going to play hardball, it makes a lot of sense from the Vikings' perspective of that you need to make Justin Jefferson the guy you pay first. Yep. If you're going to make anybody the top of market, um, it's been Jefferson the entire way for them this offseason. It still hasn't come to fruition because they might have to pay him the highest non-quarterback in right. football potentially which eclipses Aaron Donald so we're talking 30, 30 thir- 32 5 I think is where Donald is so 33 33 a year <laughs> and then you got Hawkinson wanting potentially reportedly over 17 million a year if that's the top of the market with Darren Waller in so New York 50 million for the top two passing targets for a team that does not have a quarterback under contract after this season. Yeah. Yeah. So it, anyway, it, it's, okay. it's a lot. Yeah. It's a, it's a tall proposition for the Vikings. One that at least Kwesi Adolfo reset the Vikings cap to a point where 2024, even though they carry all that dead money, they don't have a ton of guys signed through that length. And they've also got a decent amount of room it's just how much are you going to do the stars and scrubs roster build if you're going to include TJ. And this is all kind of going on when I think back to O'Connell, when he mentioned early in this, this run with TJ not practicing uh, where he said, I don't want to make headlines, but you know, Johnny Munt's the best number three tight end in the league. You know, it's interesting to look at that comment now. And, and if we're looking at this as a hold in from TJ, um, you know, they, they've been okay with their depth in camp. Yeah. Now it's not TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson's a top five, easily tight end in the league. Uh, physically, skill, all the things he can do for you, Johnny Munt can't do, obviously, nor can Josh Oliver. Um, but they spent a first round pick on Jordan Addison. They're not short on weapons in that offense. It's an interesting spot the Vikings find themselves in with TJ, a guy who, if they don't sign him, this is an incredibly expensive 18-month rental. That's yep. the other thing. Is yep. How much does the numbers guy, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, want to not buy into the, the sunk cost aspect of it and say, well, you know, we got to sign him because we put this investment in him? Or do you just say, okay, hey, if you want to do that, then we will just spend a second-round pick and $10 million this year yeah. and then a little bit last year for 18 months of you? Yeah, I mean, it is a lot, but he has also, I think, talked about the sunk cost fallacy and how you don't want to fall victim to that. So, I mean, you could, I suppose, say, you know, yes, we spent a second-round pick. Yes, we paid him for this year. But all of that is not signing him – or, sorry, signing him is not going to – no, that's not what I'm trying to say. If you don't sign him, those costs are not going to come back to you. It's not going to make it so that – we can redeem all of this by uh, whatever we do going forward. If you didn't sign him, you need to base that decision on what happens for the next few years, not what happened in 2021 when you make, sorry, 2022 when you make the trade and then 2023 when you're paying him on his fifth year option. So, I mean, that stuff is, is done. 
You could always pull a Rick and trade him like with Yannick Ngakwe. You could. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it, I suppose it depends on how the season starts and if they aren't contending, I, I suppose you could go do that at the deadline and make it somebody else's question. Um, yeah, it's give a ring chasing team a rental for yeah. for half a year or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they're gosh, it's as as you sit and think about this, like there's I almost envision like this this ball of yarn that has all of these knots in it. It's like do you do you do Hawkinson before Jefferson that creates problems? Do you do Jefferson not knowing who your quarterback's going to be? Is that going to be something he wants to know before it gets figured out? If you want to sign him early in the off season next year to get that cap number lower for 2024 at the beginning of the league year, that means your quarterback has to be Kirk Cousins because you won't have had a chance to draft somebody yet. So it's like, which one of these things goes first and how does it impact the other ones? Because you basically have it set up now and it's not going to end up this way. I'm not saying this, but right now you have it where neither Kirk Cousins, nor Justin Jefferson, nor TJ Hawkinson is under contract for your team in 2025. So Hawkinson, done after this year. Cousins, done after this year. Jefferson, done after next year if you didn't sign him. They're going to sign him. It's going to happen. But it does mean that all of these impending deadlines are going to force you to make decisions one way or the other on all of these people. And then all of those things, I think, are connected Financially, certainly, and just in the sense that this is the identity of your passing game is these three guys. So there's a lot to figure out and a lot of money on the line as you do it. There is. There is. Who does also have a lot on the line, I'm trying to transition to our other QB3. Yes. Um, is Trey Lance. Trey Lance, the Marshall, Minnesota native, NDSU uh, star. Uh, that seems eons ago after the pandemic and after his start to his NFL career. Um, but that guy was really good once upon a time and San Francisco doesn't seem to think so anymore. Uh, they spent three first round picks on him and the connections are popping up left and right that people, maybe his representation are throwing the Vikings out there as a possible landing spot in a team that has inquired about him in the past. It doesn't mean that they're still interested now. I'm very curious to know how willing they would be to go out and acquire him at this point when training camp's done, your time to evaluate him with people, it's done. They don't give backups uh, practice reps in the regular season. The whole point of regular season practices are to get the starters ready. People like Nick Mullins, Jaron Hall, whoever QB3 is, will be your scout team quarterback from here on out until next year. So if you are trading for Trey Lance now, you're getting a scout team QB who you're going to try and get some looks at here or there, but you're really not going to know what you have until next year. And his contract is such as a former number three overall pick that he's guaranteed five plus million next year. Uh, the Any team, the Vikings or anybody interested, could wait and just wait for San Francisco to cut him, which they might do, and at which point the Vikings might have the best hand to appeal to Trey of come home take a cheap deal yep. and we'll get a look at you next year on that cheaper deal. I could definitely see a path where the Vikings and Trey Lance hook up, especially because Ben, as you lay out the quarterback and contract situation for them next year, they've got kind of more blank spaces to work with next year, especially at quarterback. They do. And you would have to, I think feel good about his future to, to do it. And that it's kind of the great unknown at this point. They, 
reportedly had conversations about him at the combine. Um, they then drafted Jaron Hall. Not that Jaron Hall precludes them from going to get another quarterback, but it, you know, whether the money wasn't what they wanted to do at the time or the trade off from the 49ers wasn't what they liked or they just didn't feel like good about him, they didn't do it. And they've invested the time in Jaron Hall at this point, and Nick Mullins has been here. All of these things don't make it impossible that they're going to do it, but it would have to be that you feel good enough about him beyond this year as a possible guy going forward that you could maybe build around, which he has not shown at the NFL level at this point. You would have to feel good enough about your evaluation of him probably from when he was in the draft and all of the people making those evaluations were doing so for other teams at this point because it was a different regime when Trey Lance was in the draft, a different regime here. Um, scouts here were the same, but Kevin O'Connell, Quasi Adolfo Menso, Wes Phillips, Chris O'Hara, all of these people are working for different teams. So you're leaning back on those evaluations probably to say, yes, we want to bring this guy in if they did it. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot, I think, to figure out. And he keeps getting connected here because, yes, similar offense, hometown kid or home state kid at least, um, team needs a quarterback, et cetera. But there's a lot we don't know about what they think of Trey Lance specifically. And what we do know is that Kevin O'Connell really prioritizes accuracy among his quarterbacks. Yes. Uh, prioritizes in rhythm, progressions, all those things that kind of sound like what Kyle Shanahan also likes in quarterbacks. Yep. The difference is, is that Kyle Shanahan and I've talked to people with the Vikings, this O'Connell staff about this in terms of the Shanahan staff they are so they, they know each other so well, obviously, from the Rams Niners days. But they know that Shanahan's so rigid with his system. And O'Connell kind of prides himself on not being that, on the player ownership, on the we'll try things your way, we'll tweak things left and right, yeah. see if it works. They don't do that in San Francisco. The, yes. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk, I remember talking to him last year, was talking about this is a graduate studies course in which the professor is going to tell you exactly how it needs to get done. Yeah. It's a little different here. And even though you might look at the systems from the outside and say, boy, L.A. Rams system, San Fran system, they're kind of born of the same play action, run game, whatever, uh, even though they've kind of gone to their own branches with three wide receivers, whatever. Um, they do it differently. And I do wonder that if O'Connell liked him enough that if the Wall Street GM that the Vikings have here wouldn't see a great buy low opportunity. Sure. On a guy who does have the talent, does need a fresh start. Um, at first, I was much more like, you know, this was the spring even, thinking that I don't think they're going to do it, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the more I think about it, and the longer Kirk remains unsigned, that is what's kind of changed it for me. And thinking like, hey, you know, I'm kind of telling you maybe there's a chance. Well, and to add a little bit of fuel to this fire, not that I'm wanting to make this – seem like I think it's going to happen necessarily. But to your point, when they looked at Anthony Richardson this spring, and make no mistake, they did. They did so knowing that if you draft him, you're going to have to play the way that works for him. Like You're going to have to make some adaptations to your offense to fit what Anthony Richardson does well. So that would have changed a lot from the current iteration of the offense that they run and I think they were okay with that. I mean, if that was going to be your guy, that had they made the trade 
to move up and get him that would it would have taken to do it. They would have spent enough that obviously he would have been the guy. And that may have meant Kirk Cousins, speaking of the 49ers, would have been traded uh, possibly there. I think that would have been a very obvious landing spot for him had the Vikings moved up to draft a quarterback. But the Anthony Richardson possibility, they had their eyes open to the idea that you're not going to just plug him into the offense as it currently exists. It's going to have to change. They seemed okay with that, with him. So to your point, this is not a system where they are certainly going to say it has to be done exactly this way. It's roll it off the the factory line the same way every single year. It's going to have some different flavors based on who you have here. That's why Purdy works so well in San Franco. He's he's the robot. Yep. He is the kind of – we're like – if. Ironically, if, if the Niners would have taken Mac Jones as they were connected to him, he might have been a better fit. Yes, I think that probably would have made some more sense. And the how it all went down, stories that will inevitably come about about who wanted who, who wanted whom, are going to be fascinating because I think there's been a little bit of chatter to that effect of maybe Kyle Shanahan would have preferred Mac Jones. I think that's been talked about at least a little bit to this point. Well, I'm sure we'll hear more about that once this is all done, the postmortems come out. That's true. It just it makes a lot of sense um, in terms of how San Fran likes to do things. That once you lose whatever flavor they had for Lance, I mean, it's so easy to see how how he quickly fell out when they signed Sam Darnold. Yeah, that was the telling thing of like, not only are you not the starter, they don't even think you can yeah. be the backup. Yeah, and Trey just needs a fresh start. I think he's incredibly talented. He was also very mobile at, at NDSU. Brings that future uh, almost that you're seeing some college quarterbacks who run around a lot more these days. Fewer like true pocket passers like a Brock Purdy or Kirk Cousins these days. Um, the Vikings would like that kind of option in their quarterback in the future, whether an Anthony Richardson or potentially a Trey Lance. Uh, it's just right now I don't see the move happening because of his salary next year. That's, yeah. a, that's a lot yeah. of money for and because he just went through training camp. So if, if anything is going to get done, I would assume the most prudent move from a front office standpoint would be to wait until they either – Yeah, they release him. Or you wait for another team to take that contract, and then they release him because it doesn't work out or whatever if you don't feel that strongly about him. Um, it's an interesting situation when we talk about the Vikings' future at quarterback because Kirk Cousins said – and this was back in June, but he said, yeah, we'll, we'll wait till March and we'll revisit that contract of mine. Yep. Um, he's not getting any cheaper either. And if he, ha- if he goes out there and has another great year fueling Justin Jefferson and Hawkinson, all these guys, he's going to be a 40 plus million dollar quarterback somewhere. Uh, and it, it might not be here. Um, what did you make? We, we had just heard of Kirk from Kirk um, this Thursday morning. I found it interesting that he was still talking about things because he's doing stuff in the locker room like uh, the old Jersey day yep, or whatever yep. where he's wearing the Alvin Allen Iverson. Uh, was it Georgetown? Yeah, I think so. Um, Jersey. And then he has Mustache Monday. That Which he, is now Mustache Week. That's now Mustache Week. Kirk Cousins is a man of the people leading the team, uh, one of the boys in the locker room. And he's doing all that kind of stuff. And then he says, you know, I can't wait to do that stuff next year. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the unspoken part is that both you and I sitting here and Kirk have no idea if that's yeah. going to be a thing. Yeah. I mean, and he, I've heard him say that a couple times about doing things next year. And yeah, it's, that is the great question is where are you going to be doing things next year? So 
yeah, there, there's a lot of things to be figured out there. Um, it's really, I mean, this whole thing is really, really interesting because I certainly can see a scenario where they say, let's start fresh. Let's have a young quarterback come in here. That's cheaper. That maybe plays differently. I, I don't know that they're focusing on that part of it as much as we want however the person plays we want it to be a high level like a guy that we think can be a top six quarterback in the league they're not just gonna go draft somebody to draft somebody so as as 2024 mock drafts come out which you're already starting to see them linked to quarterbacks um hello jj mccarthy they're gonna have to feel really strongly to take one in the first round I, I continue to think that's going to be the case. I think they're open to that. But I also think if Cousins has a year where they say, okay, the, he's still got enough left, and more importantly probably the negotiations go to a place where everybody is happy with how the contracts come together and everybody agrees on something, I don't think it's impossible he's here because I – I think the thing they really value with him is that ability to manage the huddle, manage the line of scrimmage, get them in and out of bad plays or get them out of bad plays into good ones, uh, not making the mistakes on the field, the accuracy certainly. I mean, a lot of these things are really important to the people that put this offense together, even if they aren't necessarily the things that everybody oohs and ahs about during a game. So... That, I still think, is very much in his corner as far as the future here. And, and you're going to have to – I think ultimately it will come down to can everybody agree on a contract structure that works for both sides, especially given the fact that there is that intrigue of, you know, it's been a long time since they've had a cheap quarterback on a rookie deal. So, I mean, that was, I think, really the last time was 2016 until Teddy Bridgewater's knee went out almost – seven years ago to the day. I mean, it was seven years ago next week when that happened. So um, I think there's a possibility he's here, but there's there's enough of them keeping their options open to any one of what's behind all of these doors that it's, again, it's fascinating to watch. And on the, on the financial piece of things with Trey Lance, one thing to note, his cap number with the 49ers is $9.3 this year. It would not be that with the Vikings. The $5.5 million of his signing bonus would stay there. So the Vikings cap number there is really only, I think it's 3-7. He has a roster bonus for this year that's probably already been paid. I don't know the exact machinations of that. It may just be the base salary this year. Uh, And next year is the problem. Next year is when he's locked into five whatever base. Yeah, it's well, the base is only one and a half million no not even that 1.055 million and then the he's got a 4.2 million dollar roster bonus so he probably locked into that but um that's 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 the steep part where yeah your first summer if you were to trade from now or even this, this next off season your first summer if you take that contract yeah is going to be a pretty expensive flyer on a quarterback. Um, and, and yeah, maybe O'Connell, maybe they like him so much that they're going to do that. And then they'll bring him in plus a draft pick or whatever. Um, and just, you know, maybe, you know, the more the merrier in terms of if you develop a guy, even if he's your number two, you can still move him or whatever. Um, so I, I just think though that 
the prudent move is to wait until they cut him. It's just such yeah. an untenable situation. He didn't even practice after they told him. Kyle Shanahan told San Francisco reporters, uh, I told him to take the day off. Like he, we had a conversation when we told him that you were number three. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it was obviously tough. He took it tough. And I told him just take the day off. Like that's, that's not a situation where he comes back and is like, cool, let me run the scout team all year coach. Um, I think they want to move on from him. I think you see it in the media. It's a full court press from his side, probably from San Fran's front office too, to put it out there that this guy's available. Yeah. They did it again in yeah. the spring. They did it again. Now no one wants him, at least at the price that they're asking. And so, Maybe they get him at the seventh round pick, but it still comes on that contract. If I'm the Vikings, I'm thinking we could talk him into coming here for a minimum next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that you're right. That looking at contract stuff while you're talking here, that roster bonus is fully guaranteed next year. So if he's here next year, it's five point three million to the Vikings. So, I mean, yes, you're right. That's an expensive flyer. Um, all right. Well, let's quick before we go talk about this is the last time we're going to talk before the Vikings trim down the roster to 53 on ne next Tuesday, just three days after the um, preseason finale against the Cardinals. Um, how many tough decisions do you see with this group that's very young? I don't think we're going to see a ton of like veteran cuts. No, I don't think so either. You know, but I, there are some names that might surprise people in terms of who gets released or who stays. But I want to get your thoughts on who you think might be um, on that bubble and and a name that Vikings fans know. I mean, I think of Kenny Wongwu. Yeah, who still yep. isn't out yes. there. Still doesn't seem like he's going to play on Saturday. So what do they do? Do they keep a guy who's gotten zero running back reps this off season essentially? as a kick returner for yeah. a play that the NFL is killing. Yes. Uh, that's one name that pops up to me. Um, I yeah, wonder if I think that's a good instinct to be, I mean, when he hasn't practiced, yeah. they've worked out guys like Kareem hunt. I think that's a good instinct to be looking for that one. I wonder about, um, Andre Carter, who they gave all that money to. Yeah. Um, Luigi Valane, Patrick Jones didn't even play in the last game. He's locked in as like a number four edge rusher. Yeah. And like then Benton Whitley as well. And Valane, I thought, has played well. So the guy they gave a team record 340000 guaranteed to yeah. might not make it. Yeah, I think that's a good chance. I, given how they seem to feel about that top group, and I mean, when they take individual reps, it's been Hunter, Davenport, Wanham, Jones, kind of in that first set. And if, if Valane and Benton Whitley, I don't know if he makes the team, but you know, practice squad maybe. Um, can't imagine that you're going to keep six edge rushers. But – it would seem like it might be tough for Andre Carter to make it. The ones I'm interested in as well are the corners. Um, I figure Najee Thompson makes it on special teams, but that does take a spot. I mean, if, if you're going to keep six corners, for example, it's going to be a Caleb Evans, Mikai Blackman, Byron Murphy. Um, Najee Thompson makes four so that, yeah, but I mean, this is where Jawan Williams booth. That's that's six, and that that's probably it. Um, I unless a guy like well, Tay Gowan was hurt yesterday, or, or Kalen Barnes, if they feel good enough about one of those, I'd, safety makes it tough. Yeah, because it does. It, it, and Flores changes it, right? It changes yep. the math of like I yes. had. I would think they're going to keep eleven DBs, six corners, five safeties, but knowing they're going to use three more often. Yeah, and I yeah. don't even know though who that fifth safety is because is it the fourth round pick Jay Ward who hasn't done a whole lot. Nope. Um, and you know, to me, it hasn't seemed to play well in these preseason games 
over a guy in Theo Jackson who Brian Flores is giving a lot of reps yeah, to. Yeah, and they've liked. In practice. Um, and But but you're cutting – the last fourth-round pick to not make the initial 53 was Willie, Willie Beavers. Beavers. That's horrible company. So yeah. it just doesn't happen, which makes me think like – yeah, I could see them cutting Jackson, thinking they can get him on the practice squad, and then keeping the fourth rounder in Ward because you got to keep seen, even though he's hurt again and yep. isn't doing much and was buried on the depth chart. And obviously, Smith, Bynum, and Metellus are, are one, two, three. Yep, yep. So, I mean, yes, you're right. I, I think that question is very interesting. I would expect if it's Jay Ward versus Theo Jackson, Jackson's had a good camp, but the fact that he's a draft pick – and he's a fourth-round pick, I think he's going to get chances. So I think he stays, and then, you know, the the corners. My question, I think, ultimately there is, is there somebody not on this roster that ends up in the mix? Jawan Williams is the second-most experienced corner they have behind Byron Murphy. He has seen his stock, I think, slide during this camp, he starts out taking reps with the ones and has kind of fallen down the depth chart. Got back in there yesterday um, with um, with Blackman still being eased back in from that injury he had last week, just doing individuals, not team reps. But does he stick? I think so. But if, if they found some other way to make a deal for a corner they felt like could come in and, and play even a little bit, that's going to be interesting to watch. The other, and they and they just picked up a, a guard from the Rams today. But when they've looked at guys like Dalton Reisner, do they look for help in the middle of the offensive line, or do they feel good enough if Chris Reed comes back that they've got some depth to play with there? So those are some of the spots I'd kind of keep an eye on. I'm curious about how those shake out because I think there's a lot of questions there. And and yeah, like you mentioned, uh, backup running back. I mean, the running back depth, I think, is a very big question. Um, the other spot is wide receiver, where I thought... That's some guys make a case for themselves, I y- think. Yeah, it, that is tougher, because a year ago, you think about the depth, and Jalen Naylor was younger. Um, Rager didn't even arrive until after camp. They didn't have Powell. Amir Smith-Marset was having a horrific camp before he got cut. Uh, that depth was bad last year. Now, you've mentioned on the previous podcast that it's like, it, now they've almost got not riches, but you've got young guys that are intriguing. You've got young guys that you would like to give those chances to. And it, it goes all the way down from Rager, who's had a better camp this year and has looked more consistent in, in these preseason games as well, to Powell, who's been a standout that coaches love, um, came over from the Rams, um, to Naylor, who was a fan, and Kevin O'Connell, uh, to Trishan Jackson, who's, to me, the wide receiver seven, seems destined for another practice squad spot. But if they kept him as the six over what uh, Naylor, maybe because he's yeah. been hurt. Yeah. I don't know. Like none of this would shock me, but to me, the pecking order seems the six and the three behind the three are Rager Powell Naylor. Right. Yeah. And Jackson is the only one. I mean, he makes a strong case, but um, that's the only guy I wonder if he would sneak in there. Yeah. And he's, He's been impressive. He's done, I think, about everything he can. The question with Rager specifically is, does the fact that he has $2.5 million of guaranteed money on that fifth-year option force you to keep him? Um, I He's been better in camp and in the preseason than we've seen in the past, but they, there's still a lot of questions with him 
terms of is he going to have all the, the details of the offense down? Is he going to do all those things in a way that you could trust him? Um, do you like him enough as a returner to to justify a spot? But also, do you want to blow another two point four million of dead money when you've already got thirty six and a half million of it? Yeah, the question is that O'Connell keeps bringing up Rager's speed. Yep. Like whenever he talks about Rager, it's 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 generally just about that skill set, and that is the rare thing he brings to this group that you you don't have a true burner other than him. I yes. mean, Jefferson does it all, but um so the yeah, I guess to your point, would they eat the money and say Brandon Powell, you're the new Jalen Rager. You don't have that speed, but you're a trustworthy returner. Yeah. We trust you to play bit roles on offense. Um, if they just go with the more reliable guy, even lesser skilled, they could just replace and see a redundancy, replace Naylor or, yeah. or Rager with Powell. And then you got Jackson and Naylor both on the roster. I assume they keep six. Yeah, I think that's probably the right number, especially if they're going to keep three tight ends. And there, at aren't, least. there aren't five backs to keep. No, they're not. So the question is, like, if you – I think they cut McBride. I yeah. think he's a practice squad guy. Yeah, I think that's probably right. But I don't see how he makes the no, roster. I, he's been hurt, man. I just don't think they've seen enough. They tried him on special teams that one game. It went really bad Yep. on kick yep. return. Yep. And then that's why they bring in Abram Smith, Aaron Dykes, these guys off the street who immediately were better at it. Um, and, and that's why I think they're still searching for who the kick returner is because what if you also cut your number four back in, in Wongwood? Yeah. And then you're looking at the waiver wire. You're looking at Kareem Hunt still. Um, O'Connell's made it clear that any Hunt addition has nothing to do with Alexander Madison, who he said is their unquestioned lead back. Yep. And they seem to still be very high on Ty Chandler as that second option. Um, CJ Ham, I talked to Curtis Modkins, the running backs coach, and they, he talked him up as a third down back. Yeah. I do wonder if we're going to see we, that change. I think that's likely. So all these things uh, – um, come together where like you can kind of piece this running back group together and you don't need to bring in hunt but boy their depth would look a lot better with them yeah there's just <laughs> not a lot behind alexander madison who is also a guy that you haven't had to lean on for a full season so there's a lot of reason to have another guy that you feel like you can trust and and do they feel like kareem hunt has enough in his legs to be that guy we'll see but i certainly think that's a position that they will be in the market. All right. Well, we will be back to talk to you guys next week after the Vikings cut down the roster and start making these moves. Until then, please follow all of the news at startribune.com.